Welcome into a new Buff Stampede radio. Adam Wester Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com, joined by football analyst William Gardner. William Spring Ball, just a week away. Excited to have some practices to report on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. There are so many different things to watch this year, and, uh, you know, hopefully, maybe we actually get in and see some of it. We're entering the third year of Carl Durrell being at the helm, but this is just his second spring ball at CU. Overall, what are your expectations? You know, it's hard to know. Uh, There's so many changes in this particular offseason. I mean, both sides of the ball, the the staff are different. Uh, Sounds like, you know, well, obviously the offense will be be entirely different. Sounds like the defense is going to be different enough that you're not quite sure what to expect with the four-man front. Um, So it's hard to say, I think, with all those changes. And then the other thing was – so many players left and so many new ones came in. It'd be interesting to see what the chemistry is like. And I'm curious to see. It sort of feels like they that the guys that have stayed have, have uh, I don't know, sort of circled the wagons and become closer and uh, have better chemistry. So it'd be interesting to see how that works out. And then actually the the what I really want to see is the second year with with uh, Shannon Turley and, and what guys look like and and not only how, you know, Every year it's bigger, stronger, greater workouts. But what I really want to see is do we see fewer injuries when we start hitting? So Yeah, I expect there to be more open practices to the media and public, which I think is a good thing. They're going to have some Saturday practices and scrimmages. It sounds like they, they haven't announced it yet, but I've heard that those are going to be open to folks to be able to come out to. So, so that'll be good. I do expect there to be more pushback from fans on our spring reporting just from the simple fact they're following a four and eight season compared to a year ago when we were covering spring ball, they were at least coming off a four and two abbreviated season. So there was a little bit more optimism last year, but here's the thing is there's no game. So there's no losses this spring. So our reporting is generally going to be pretty positive and optimistic. I mean, it just is the nature of it. And I, I fully expect there to be a little bit more pushback on that this year, which which makes sense. Again, the, the record uh, yeah. has this fan base down a little bit. Well, it's never you never know what to make out of spring ball or fall camp, right? Because you say, hey, well, you know, offensive line looked really good. Well, maybe that means the defensive line sucks. I, I, you yeah. know, how do you, how do you and, and it's always a that question mark of, on any team, really, when you're playing against yourself, if one unit looks really good is the one opposing them looking bad. Uh, and you never really know, is something looking good because we're facing our own team? It, it's just hard to really uh, spin out what you're seeing when you're playing against yourself until and to, and to, you see uh, against other teams. But, yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of jaded, and I think last year was just a really diff- – just the way it played out, it was, it was four, a four-win season is tough however you look at it, but the way this one went just felt like it was a lot tougher for some reason that that Minnesota game was as much of a gut punch as any CU game I can remember. And, you know, yeah, I see the ones way back are fading in my old brain, but man, that, that, that is the toughest coming off that A&M almost win. And then just to be so dominated was so disappointing. And I, it, it just really, change the whole season for me. So I, yeah, I go going into spring ball, a lot of changes. How will these coaches work together? How will these new players work together? Who's going to step up and win these positions? I think there's more question marks this spring 
than you know maybe any any spring outside of a new head coach. Yeah, you you said it felt like a, a bad for any, and I think that's just because they weren't scoring points. Points, right? Yeah, I think right. if you're losing games fifty to forty, you're not you're not going to be happy with four and eight. You're still going to be frustrated, but at right. least there's moments throughout a game where you're getting more excited. Just the quarterback play, the offensive line play, just right. made it really tough at times to watch this football team in 2021. Well, it was super frustrating. You know, every time they came out at the on the ball after a while in the season. You, when the offense would come out, you just didn't feel any hope, any sense of, gee, we're going to do something here. And when we did, it was sort of a surprise. And it was just so few, so futile on offense that it was just very, very frustrating. Um, and I don't know, it, it got to the point in the season where you just didn't feel like you really, we had really had much chance. And it was not, it was not fun football to watch. It was not interesting football to watch. I love it when they've got enough bodies to where you can have a, traditional spring game, you, you draft teams, you split the squad up. I don't expect that they're going to be able to do that once again this year. They're just lacking depth in some spots, especially at safety. I don't know how you could pull that off. Yeah, no many running backs either, it looks like. Running back would be a little thin. Yeah, you could, you've could. you always got some walk-ons around. You could probably right, pull that great. off a little bit. Um, I recently did a story on buffstampede.com. I picked 10 players that I felt are primed to break out in 2022. And a lot of those guys are aided by players leaving via the transfer portal. Cornerback Nico Reed, maybe he'd be still a year out if Makai Blackman and Christian Gonzalez played in the program. But now, hey, he might be their top cornerback. Uh, slot receiver Chase Penry really benefits from Dimitri Stanley transferring to Iowa State. I, I think he's going to have a huge role on this team. On the back end, safety Trevor Woods, I think, is going to have a huge role with Mark Perry transferring to TCU, which were the guys, as you kind of thought about 2022, felt were really primed to have a breakout season, or I should say are primed to have a breakout season. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how you de define breakout, because I would say that Penry and Woods broke out last year. Um, depending on how you define that word, I, I think they both had a big influence on the on the team last year. I was super impressed with Penry. I actually came up with quite a list of names, and again, probably more goes to what you say because of people that left and opportunities and openings. But um, you know, two guys. I'm going to say it's not going to sound like it makes much sense, but Frank Phillip and Jake Wiley who I think coming off of last season, a lot of people are like, wow, those guys aren't very good. And I think they're going to redeem themselves quite a bit, especially Phillip. You know, it, it really, it, it, that injury and that, that uh, surgery he had last year, I think really impacted him. And I saw a photo recently that somebody put up on the offensive line. He's bigger than I've ever seen. He, he's huge now. So that lifting for the winter and and all the work that they do is going to make a big difference. And I think he's going to be a guy that really jumps out. And I think Wiley, too, when he gets some good coaching, there's nothing wrong with that kid in terms of his size, length, and athleticism. He just doesn't know how to play the game. Um, and then all along the offensive line, somebody needs to step up or – or jump out, uh, you know, it, it's hard to say who. Austin Johnson is a guy that every year I'm excited about, and he, he always winds up hurt, but I think he's got the talent. If he could avoid that injury bug, could really be something. Um, you know, a couple of guys, Ryan Williams was on your list on the defensive line, and then the, the other guy I'm looking at is Tyus Martin, you know, that that back seems to be fine, knock on wood. 
but his sheer size and, and, and a year working with, uh, with, uh, Turley, I think he could be somebody that could be exciting. Um, Marvin Hammond linebacker. I would like to see him. Torrent Pittman's a guy who's got an NFL looking body. I'd like to see him show more at safety. I don't know if that'll happen or not. Um, and then I think Montana Lamonius Craig is a guy who showed flashes maybe last year at wide receiver and could really break out with some of those guys gone this, this spring. And I think Jaylee Stacks in a new offense that's more predicated to running could really be a weapon. Awesome. Let's kind of segue from guys we expect to break out into a spring roster draft. Like I said, I don't think there's going to be a traditional spring game this year. So let's go through the guys that are going to be healthy on the roster this spring and kind of go back and forth. And I think this will be a natural way for us to keep talking about guys that we expect to take a step forward to right. and, and kind of also showcase positions that are a little deeper than others. Uh, we're not going to have guys that are, are not on campus yet. And we're also not going to have some of the guys that are still coming back from injury. You got JT Shrout. He's expected to participate some this spring. He's not going to be part of this draft. Uh, Jeremiah Doss is coming back from an ACL, so we're not going to have him on the list. Jack Lamb, I had uh, mentioned recently, he is, is contemplating retirement after having off-season surgery. Let's keep him off this list. Okay. Uh, and then Maurice Bell coming back from an Achilles. He's probably going right. to be limited, I would imagine, as well this spring. So those four guys, let's not draft them. But we've still got enough guys here to fill out at least a starting group. One quarterback, one running back, three receivers, a tight end, five O-linemen. Uh, defensively, we'll do – it sounds like they're going to go more kind of a 4-3 look. But for this, let, let's keep the edge guys lumped together. Let's take two of those, three defensive linemen, two inside linebackers, two corners, and, okay. and uh, two safeties. Do you want to go oh, first or second here? Should we go uh, – should we ask Siri to see who uh, gets to pick first on this? Sure. That'd be fair. All right. Do you want to go uh, heads or tails? I'll take tails. Heads or tails? Hold on. I got a coin here. Oh, wait. Old school. All right. It's tails. So you get to go first. Uh, I'm going to start out with Terrence Lang because I always like to start out with the defensive line. And I think he might be the best player on the team this year. Wow. Okay. Obviously, he's somebody that has had all conference potential has never put it together. Why do you think that is? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm tempted to say it, it, it it's coaching. I don't know if, if I, I think he's never quite filled his body out to be as big as, as fits that frame. I, he's, he's just not um, consistent enough. So you'll see, you'll see one or two plays where he, you will see plays of him against some of the best offensive linemen that we play all year and make him look silly. And then three or four plays, he'll disappear. So he has that ability to really look like a, a you know, a high round NFL draft pick, but then he just disappears for too long. And I just think it's in, inconsistency. And I don't know if it, if it's uh, you know, he's, he's not mentally focused enough. Um, but this really needs to be the year for him because he's running out of time. There's three guys that I contemplated taking first, and so this is going to be a tough one. But I'm going to take a newcomer, somebody that led Baylor in receiving in 2020, finished second on the Bears squad in receiving last year, made some really nice catches during his time in Waco. 
I'm going to go with RJ Snead, who there's been some bad attrition via the portal this year, but honestly, that RJ Snead for Brendan Rice trade, I actually think CU came out on the yeah. better end there. Not, not by a large stretch. I, I think Brendan Rice is a great player and was one of the guys on offense last year that you never questioned their effort, but I really like RJ Snead. Yeah, I think Snead would have been our top wide receiver last year as well, and he certainly is um, going into spring this year. And you know, and if somebody else steps up to be as good as him, that's all the better for the team. But he, but he was a fantastic pickup as a transfer, and I think he's going to be immediate uh, one of the better wide receivers in the conference. All right, it goes back to you. Who do you want to take? I am going to go on the offensive side and take old reliable Brady Russell. He was one of the guys that considered for the first pick. Yeah. And, you know, it, he's also, I think, one of the top players on the team. And he gives you so much in every aspect of the of offense. He, he's an excellent, excellent blocker and uh, really a far more of a dangerous weapon in the passing game than I think most fans give him credit for. And I think if, if I understand this offense that we're looking at, I think it's going to be a very tight and friendly offense. And I think he could have a big year. This is tough again. There's a couple of guys I could take here. I'm going to go with another newcomer and a guy that's going to add some versatility to my offensive line here as I go through this draft. And I'm going to take Tommy Brown, transfer from Alabama. So I'm going with two transfers to start out. And uh, obviously, I could put him at either tackle or guard. We'll see here how the, the rest of the draft goes. How far down the board was Tommy Brown for you? No, he was right up there. I had him at right, right around a fifth or sixth guy. Um, and really the, the question for me, do I take him or do I take Roddick? And I would probably take him because he played tackle. Uh, but I think Tommy Brown's an excellent pick at that and, and really brings a lot to this team. He's legitimately one of the few guys, I think, that could play all five spots if you needed him to. Um, Fenske, maybe maybe the other the other one that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, but a guy coming out of that Alabama program, was he, he was there three, four, four years, four, I guess, five. I don't know. It's so got two years left anymore. and COVID account. Yeah, he was, he redshirted and then was there. Yeah. Four years. So you take a guy like that, what you, what he gets out of that is number one, that Alabama strength program. And number two, you know, he's practicing every day against guys that are NFL draft picks. Um, and he's he's all you know you you sort of take in by osmosis that championship mentality. So I think he brings a lot to the team, and I think he's really going to help us up front on the offensive line. I like that he's uh, been able to find a couple NIL opportunities as well. One of them uh, as a male model. Did you see that? <laughs> oh boy, I saw that. I was like, this is why offensive linemen don't take yeah. their clothes off. Thanks. Yeah, you, 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 you can't un- you can't unsee and, and, that. And, can and you, people. Right. Right. And I think I think people think that uh, like the NFL offensive linemen, they're probably all big muscle. Got they, they, that's what they look like. Uh, if you've ever watched the NFL combine, those 350 pound first round draft picks from Alabama, they run with their shirts off. and They got boobs flapping and all they got. And, and they still they still run like a four nine, you know, but they're not pretty to look at. Um, but, yeah, God bless them. Hey, if you can get somebody to pay you for taking your clothes off. Who am I to say don't do it? All right, back to you, William. Okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm th- this is kind of a hard one, too. It's, I'm tempted to go 
I'm going offensive line here. The question to me is I'm going to take the other obvious offensive tackle here uh, and, and, and take uh, Frank Phillip. He was clearly a pick that deserved to be drafted this high a year ago and then yeah. struggled. I do put a lot of that on the offseason shoulder surgery because that really pulled him out of spring ball. He wasn't able to do anything over the summer and then came back and, you know, he, he was clearly thinking about that injury and the O-line was kind of a mess overall. I shouldn't say kind of, right. it was. Uh, I would expect him to revert back to the, the form we saw of him in 2020. Yeah, what, what what we saw in 2020, and I you know I watched every one of those games over and over again and do some some of those um, film film rooms on the offensive line, and you know he was playing at an NFL draft pick level in that season, and was just truly exceptional in all aspects of the game. And then you watch last year, and early on, you it was very obvious to me he was favoring that arm, and then you know it's hard to know how much. The, the offensive line was a fiasco and we all know why uh, last year and he got fired and you have to wonder how much that plays on a, on a, on a guy like Phillip. Um, and it's hard for players. I think when you, you, you have a coach who's not doing his job and, and you've had other coaches. And so you revert back to trying to do what the other coach taught you. And then this coach says, no, do this other thing. Um, I, I, really hope that having a better coach and not having to have surgery is going to help Frank Phillip get back to the form. If, if he gets back and improves on that 2020 form, he's an NFL guy. No question about it. All right. Back to me. I'm going to take Brennan Lewis. Maybe this is a controversial pick. He is just with JT Shrupp not being part of this draft is the one guy that has now quite a bit of experience playing right. quarterback at this level uh, I'm curious. You can wait now till the very end of this draft to take your quarterback. Right. Now that I've got my quarterback, I'm kind of curious to see who you take out of the other guys, the inexperienced group. I do expect Brandon Lewis to be better this year. It's just hard to guess how much better he's going to become at reading defenses. Is that something that with that experience you get a lot better at? You would right. think you get better at it, but is it going to be to the level that you can beat JT Shroud in a competition? Because if JT Shroud didn't get hurt last August. He was going to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if that's why I was asking you before we started if Shroud was going to be in the draft because he's the first round pick. He's the first pick. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. He's the first pick if he's available. And, you know, if, if you're going to ask me, bet 50 bucks on who's going to be the starting quarterback, I'm going to put it on Shroud. Um, I think that the I think part of Lewis's struggles also went on the offensive coordinator and the play calling and the play design as well last year, because there's ways of calling an offense and setting up your receivers and such to, to make things easier for your quarterback. And we didn't do that. We never, and we never did that all season long. I mean, you know, when you're going to ask a kid who's clearly struggling reading defenses to drop back and, you know, look downfield and figure out what's going on, he can't do it. So you do something different. And there's a lot of ways to do that in terms of uh, uh, passing schemes and, and, route trees and whatever, and they didn't ever help him out. So Lewis, I think, is another guy who could benefit significantly from the change in offensive coordinator. And this sounds to me like it's going to be a more quarterback-friendly offense to, in the sense that um, we're, not at, we're not hanging the whole offense on the QB. 
that it, it may be a more run first and then use the pass to, to build on that. So we'll see. And he's powered by the sink burger. Now he's got an NIL deal with the sink in Boulder. Are you a sink guy? What's your favorite burger in Boulder? Uh, I, I, I always like the, the dark horse. Me too. I yeah. I haven't been to the sink in full disclosure, probably 30 years to be honest with you. Okay. I actually took Brian Howell there recently. He had never been, uh, took the family there a couple of times. It's, it's good food. I like it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I think for, if you have one place in Boulder to have a burger for the rest of your life, I think you're right. I think the dark horse is the pick and different. I got, you get more options there, I think, but all right, we back to me. Yes. All right. Um, well, I'm going to take Casey Roddick then. Cause I think he's also, uh, an NFL caliber potentially offensive lineman. Um, you think he's going to play center this year or you, would you keep him at guard? I think if it was me, I would try real hard to find somebody else to play center because he could be dominant at guard, but I also think he can certainly play center. It's not a position that I think I've, that I've ever seen him on film at any level play. Uh, and I'd have to see him snap and step to, to see whether he could really do it. But I think he could play all three of those inside positions. I just think he's better and more dominant as a guard. So I'd like to see us develop somebody else at that position. But I do think that they'll uh, give him some snaps and see what he looks like. At the end of the day, I think the uh, the, the toughest thing for Devan is going to be figuring out the right five guys. And it's not always the best five guys. It's the best. It's the five that play together the best. Um, so yeah, he could certainly play center. And I think that's, that's one of the things that'll help him at the next level too, is that he could play any one of those three spots. And also worth mentioning with Casey Roddick that he didn't get a chance to play at all during spring ball last year was not cleared medically until right right before preseason camp starts. So the fact that he was out there and put together a pretty solid season in a group that really struggled was pretty impressive. And now he gets this full off season. It was uh, as a result of having COVID, he had some medical issues. And so he didn't get an off season last year. So I definitely expect to see a better Casey Roddick this year. Yeah. No, no strength and conditioning really. And he kind of had to play himself into shape. It was kind of old school, you know, like back in the eighties and stuff play play your way into shape in fall camp not because he's lazy because you know my understanding was heart related and he just they had to be very careful with him and so I think with a full year under Turley that it's going to make all the difference for him too and uh, I think uh, Brian posted on the board that he saw him at the uh, Blake Street event and that he he looks like he's rebuilt his body entirely which could be very exciting Well, I'm going to put some pressure on your third pick, Frank Phillip, and I'm going to draft a guy that maybe some folks wouldn't draft him as high in this draft as I'm going to right here. But this is a player when I did my buffs that are primed to break out was number one on the list for me. And that's Guy Thomas. Before he got hurt last year, he was playing on the level of a Carson Wells. Uh, yeah. was limited to 266 defensive snaps before he had a lower body injury, was sidelined the rest of the year. But with Carson Wells off to chase his dream in the NFL, I think as long as Guy Thomas stays healthy, he will be the breakout guy on defense for the Buffs this year. Yeah, and I agree with you. I had I had him right up there. I think I had him. I had him number seven on my board, so he's right up there. I agree with you that he's one of the top players on the team, and uh, is our 
most likely candidate to, to fill one of those outside spots, whether it's defensive end. I think he'd, I think in a four man front, he'd be a, he'd have a hand on the ground playing one of those defensive end spots, but I think he's a guy who can do a lot for us on, on, on defense and just the most obvious pass rush threat, him and Terrence Lang, I suppose, uh, the most obvious pass rush threats at this point for us. And I was actually having a chat with Brian Howell in the parking garage one day and Brian Michalowski came by and we're just kind of talking about the guys in his group. And he was really excited about those edge guys. But when we started talking about guy Thomas, he he mentioned that he's just a little bit different than those other guys in a violence manner. Just the fact that he's a guy that can just disrupt things and, and take an, take an opposing player out. Cause he is just so physical. Yeah. And that's an important aspect. And I think uh, that's when you look back at, the national championship team and you had Alfred Williams was, was sort of that finesse pass rusher, but the guy who beat people up was Canavis McGee on the other side. And you had to change your blocking schemes to account for that, which I think really helped out Alfred Williams. So ironically having a guy that physical on one side can help out the guy on the other side as well. All right, back to you. Um, I'm going to go with Robert Barnes, uh, give myself a little step in the front in that front seven last year we were expecting more out of him a former five-star recruit transferring in from Oklahoma where he played quite a bit but was asked to play a different role for the buffs playing more in the box and we saw him make some plays late in the season they need Robert Barnes to step up and be the player they expected him to be coming in from Oklahoma if not I'm really really worried about the inside linebackers group yeah I I I People don't realize that it's it's a big difference to move from safety to inside linebacker. And I don't know how much he played that, if at all, at Oklahoma. To move up, uh, you know, it, it just makes sense if you think about it. When you move up from the safety spot to an inside linebacker spot, you're right there and things happen much faster. You don't have as much time to uh, figure them out. And you also, generally speaking, are going to have some 300-pound guy right in your face immediately. So you got to do something about that. And it's just not as easy to make that transition. I think hopefully with uh, a, a year under his belt at that spot, it could make a big difference. But yeah, I, I that inside linebackers position is one of the big question marks on the team for me at this point. But certainly he's one of the two that I would uh, imagine being a starter. I'm going to pick my first defense alignment here. And I'm going to go with Jalen Sami, who had kind of a bounce back year last year. We really liked what we saw with him in 2019. Didn't make as many plays in 2020. It was kind of platooned with Janaz Jordan, but I thought by and large was, was pretty solid last season. Yeah. And I think Jalen Sammy is a guy that uh, people don't give him enough credit because he doesn't rack up the stats, but that was not his role in that particular defense. His role is to take up blockers. And I think he'll thrive in a four man front where uh, the role of defensive lineman is more to create havoc and make things happen, get up inside the between the splits and the offensive lineman and do things. So I expect to see big things from him. He's another guy that's got an NFL body and has shown enough to me to think that he's potential to, to play at that level as well. So I'm excited to see what he does this year, especially if they're changing the front around and they're going to go to that four man front more often. All right. What are you thinking here with your next pick? I'm going to go on the back end and I'm going to take Isaiah Lewis at one of the safety spots. 
because I think he's shown quite a bit in the last couple of years, and I think he's a very solid uh, player at one of those two safety spots. There's not a whole lot to choose from in that safeties group, is there? Nope. Uh, Isaiah, nope. Isaiah Lewis was next on my board as well, so yeah, there's, that was there's a good pick. Two, to me, there's two obvious starters, and the other guys are all question marks. I'm going to stick with the defensive line and grab another guy that was solid last year, Neem Rodman. I'm going to add to my defensive line. Still has room for improvement, but he kind of took that next step last year. Yeah, I think he's a very solid. You know, I think our starting three is, you know, in the top half of the conference for sure. Um, as long as they stay healthy, I think we're going to be pretty good. I think uh, Naeem is the is number three in turn out of those three. Doesn't quite have the obvious length and size and and height, but he played very well and was very solid and had moments where uh, he was hard to block. So I'm excited about him for sure. And that'll lead me to my next pick. I gotta, I gotta take another def- I gotta take the next defensive lineman that's obvious, uh, Janaz Jordan. All right. He's coming back from an injury last year. Uh, but yeah, he was starting games back in 2020. Obviously, and, size is not an issue there. It's yeah. it's an interesting dynamic, like you said. The, the top three guys you feel really good about the, but about it, the D line. And then you've got this group of experienced defensive linemen that really haven't flashed big time potential. And then you've got this younger group of redshirt freshmen. So right. it's going to be interesting to see how the, the depth shakes out on the D line. And I thought Jordan was a lot better last year than he was the year before. I, I, I was not very pleased with him in 2020. I just saw him on skates too often and standing up too tall, but I thought he was much more effective last season. And so now coming into his last year, um, hopefully expect even more improvement and uh, he could be a very solid player for us. I mean, you know, there were times in the last 12 years when I look at our defense and wonder if we even had one defensive lineman that was really Pac-12 caliber. And certainly we've at least got four this year. So um, I think defensive line is not as much of a weakness as some people think. And I, and I'm working on an article to that effect. Looking forward to that. Ramon Jefferson is not eligible for this. The running back that's transferring in from Sam Houston. He's going to get in Boulder this summer. So with that said, I'm going to take Alex Fontenot and get my running back with my next pick. He led the team, obviously, in rushing back in, in 2019. And then Jarek Broussard kind of broke out when Fontenot was hurt that year. Didn't have a great season last year, but we've seen that he's got potential to be a lead back in the Pac-12. So I'm going to take him. Yeah, and I think this offense is going to be much more suitable for him. Um, and I don't know if they're going to do any eye formation, put stacks in front of him, but I think this is going to be more of a get off the ball and pound people. So it'll be a much more effective offense offense for him. I, you know, it's hard to give anybody it, – it, it's hard to uh, really grade anybody on offense last season because it was just such a bad situation and, and a slog. So uh, I'm excited about Fontenot, but – I, I, I will we'll get to this later on. I don't think he'll be the starter next year. All right. Back to you. Um, let's see where we are. So uh, I'm going to go and, and take another guy on the back end. I'm going to take Nico Reed at cornerback. And, and part of that for me is he's also such an explosive guy on, on returns as well. Not that we're, 
picking returners in this, but uh, Nico Reed is a kid that showed a lot last year. You know, two of the biggest plays of the whole season were his two plays in the last two games. Yeah. He was uh, second on my list at this point. It's funny because every year there's a lower rated commitment that the fan base freaks out about committing because he's lower rated. And with Nico Reed, I thought it was kind of justified because he's a, a tiny guy and, you know, they passed up on blanking on the in-state kid from Cherry Creek that was small that went to Iowa state and played there right. as right. a freshman. And so I was like, well, if you're going to, if you're going to pass on this local kid, why are you taking a kid out of California with the same size? But we were all wrong because Nico Reed yeah. has got, he's got that it factor, that dynamic right. athleticism that uh, you can't coach that. Right. And, you know, if, you know, guys that make big plays, make big plays. And like, you know, that's kind of what you're, what you're saying there, I think, but that, that uh, was an interception in the end zone against Washington, I think was beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And you know, it was just beautiful play. It was, it, you know, you watch that over and over and over again and, and it's kind of, kind of textbook. So I'm excited about him. Miles purchases the corner from yeah, I, I, that I was blanking on there. I think, oh, you just went or did I just, I just picked Nico Reed. You just picked Nico Reed. I'm going to go, ooh, I got three guys I really want. Which one are you most likely to pick? That's what I got to kind of base this off of. <laughs> uh, I got to take at least one of these safeties before they are both gone. I got to take Trevor Woods who made the big play in the yeah. win over Arizona and then Oregon state had that nice PBU was really starting to get more playing time. And then he got a little bit banged up late in the season, but you don't want to go overboard based on a few plays that he made in limited right. action. But this was a playmaker back in high school too. He's, I don't know if the it factor is the right word there, but he definitely has a playmaking gene. Yeah, he's big and fast, and he has a nose for the ball, and he's physical. You know, it's hard to go wrong with with those kind of with those qualities. And you know, he's a football player. He's he's not a guy that you if you run a combine and you test everything, he's not going to be at the top of the list. But if you put the pads on, he's going to make plays for you. You couldn't right. get shut out there at safety. <laughs> yeah, right. But and that that makes me I gotta I gotta hit the wide receiver spot here. So uh uh hard pick for me between two guys here, but I'm gonna go with with Chase Penry just because I've seen what he can do. Okay. Um, and I'm excited. You know, he's not gonna be a take the top off, you know, chuck it deep and let him run under a guy, but he finds holes in the offense in the defense and he and he moves the flags consistently. And I think that's a guy that's super important to an offense. I made the comparison to Jay McIntyre. Maybe that was unfair because I think actually Chase Penry has a higher ceiling from a physical yeah. standpoint. Yeah. You, you look at him in pads or even just in street clothes, he's definitely looks more like a football player that, than Jay Mack did. And Jay Mack was a better player than a lot of people want to give him credit for because he was his coach's right. son. But I think Penry's got a pretty high ceiling. Maybe maybe that was an unfair comparison that I made last year. I'm thinking more of, um, and I'm totally blanking on the name, from Westlake High School in California, one of our, our all-time leading receivers. Uh, Nelson Spruce? Nelson Spruce, thank you. Yeah, I think that's more, more uh, in terms of size, they seem like they're much more um, like each other. So that, that's... I'm 
I'm yeah. going to go with the receiver too. And I've been uh, driving the Montana Lamonius hype, Lamonius Craig hype train since he yeah. signed with Colorado. Just, I thought he was a blue chip guy that was kind of more under the radar because his high school team didn't win a game his junior year. He blew up his senior year, comes to Colorado and he's made some really nice plays. You know, that, that play that he made late in regulation of the Oregon state game where Brennan Lewis also made just a fantastic play in, in the pocket, avoiding pressure. And he's had a couple other catches that, that have kind of caught your eye. He hasn't put it all together yet. Hasn't played a ton, you know, either, but, I think he's a guy that's going to have a pretty good season. So I'm going to add him to my wide receiver core. Yeah, he's the one that I was, you know, going back and forth between him and Penry. And he is certainly a guy who can take the top off the defense and, and uh, make them back up and, and stretch things out. And he's got the height and the length to go up for balls and, and really make things happen. So he's a pretty exciting player, too. I, I remember he was my favorite recruit out of that class, but I wanted him at safety because his safety film in high school was unbelievable. It's off the charts. All right. Let's see. I am going to go with my other cornerback and uh, take Bessel at quarterback. That was going to be my next pick. So good, good pick there. And Another guy, guy that got hurt last year, and he had, was coming on really strong in that nickel role. It's going to be interesting to see where the buffs use him. Is it going to be in that nickel role? They've got some other candidates, like Tyron Taylor played nickel quite a bit last year. Right. Uh, do you want to have Bethel and Nico Reed as your, your corners, or does Tyron Taylor get the knot at one of those corner spots? So I'm anxious to see where he fits, fits in. I, I think he's going to practice at both those spots, and then it'll just kind of be dependent on where other guys really emerge. Yeah, he's kind of a, a versatile guy that can make do several things for you back there. And he's he's someone that, you know, since he came from Miami, Florida, a, has been kind of keeping an eye on him and waiting for him to blow up. And I think he's going to benefit from some guys leaving this year. And, and hopefully he really steps up to that next level. All right. This is going to be viewed somewhat as a controversial pick, but this is a, a thin spot. And I want to shore this up while I can. I'm going to take Quinn Perry. At inside linebacker, really good in the box, not afraid of contact, does not play all that well in space. Uh, I think you'd feel better if Quinn Perry was your number two Mike linebacker, but where this program is right now, he's your number one guy. Well, you'd feel pretty good about him if it was, if it was, you know, what, 20 years ago? Uh, yeah. 25. Back in those days, he'd be your prototypical inside linebacker. Uh, you know, to me, he'd, he'd be like Mike Jones on that championship team. Uh, he could shut things down from tackle to tackle, but if you ask him to back up and play out in space, he's not really gifted in that area. So there's, so he, he's kind of one dimensional and you hope that he can improve on that this year. Um, but I don't know, we'll see. And for me, I'm going to stay in that same sort of area. I'm going to take my first edge guy and, uh, I, I'm again torn between two guys here, and I'm gonna take I'm gonna go the other way than I thought I would. I'm gonna take Devin Grant because he showed me things in those last couple of games that was very exciting. Yeah, he started the 2021 season on scout team. And by the end of it in the Utah game, you can make an argument he was their best defense player in that football game. Yeah, now He's got to do that on a consistent basis. That's just one game. But yeah, right. I think I think the the ceiling for him is higher than than Gustav. 
And, uh, you know, I think until that breakout game against Utah, you would say Gustav's, you know, right. basement, so, basement was higher, you know, the floor was and, higher. And I think when you see a guy have a, a game that dominant against a team that good, um, and not only that good, but that good up front, that's an eye-opening game for me. And so I think that leads to legitimate, reasonable excitement about him. All right. Back to me. This is tough now. We're starting to get into a yeah. little bit more challenging where you're you're kind of splitting hairs between a lot of these yeah. guys. I'm going to take Noah Fenske. He didn't play a whole lot last year transferring from Iowa. He's a guy that I think will benefit from another offseason with Shannon Turley and is a guy that I can factor in at center if I need to here. Yeah, I think he's another one. I, he, he's he's one of the two guys on the team that obviously could play all five positions to me. And uh, I would imagine in spring ball, he he and um, Austin Johnson are the first two guys getting snaps at center, and we'll and see how that plays out. But I think he's probably the odds-on favorite to to fill one. To me, there's three spots filled on that offensive line with Roddick, Phillip, and Brown, and then you got to fill the other two spots. And then it really kind of comes down to is your best combination with Brown inside and Wiley a tackle, or is it with Brown outside and somebody else at one of the guard spots? And, you know, we've put in a lot of practice reps and see who comes out on top. But I think Fenske's, I would probably list him as the top of all the guys outside of those three, probably the, the most obvious choice, I think, to be one of those two starting guys. So that's a good pick to me. Um, and let's see. I guess I'll go back to the wide receiver spot and and pick a guy that I think fits more in this area that I've always hoped for more, and that's Daniel Arias, who's who seems to be good for a couple of really big plays every year, and then kind of disappears a lot. It did seem like he got a little more consistent last year, but when you said a guy that I hoped to get more out of, I already started writing Daniel Arias down. I mean, <laughs> yeah, because he he's looked like a, an NFL receiver from day one. He's had plays out there where, where he looks like an NFL guy and he just looks like men among boys. And then he, he you know, from time to time, it seems like he loses his uh, concentration and, and gets the dropsies. Um, it's, it's 100% mental with him. There's yeah, no question right. about that. Because the, the physical skills, my God, you know, his speed and his height should be just a no-brainer, all-American potential kind of a guy. If he ever puts it all together, he could play – for quite a while at the next level. And we're talking about a spring game draft. These are the type of guys that always shine during right. CU spring games, right? right. Well, they, yeah, you know, hadn't Daniel been the, the star of our spring of a couple of different times over the last five years? He was in 2019, and a couple yeah. of those corners hit the tr transfer portal pretty quick after that spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he's also a guy, I swear to God, it feels like he's been playing here since 2010. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I know who I want to take here, but I don't oh, – maybe I should because we're going to take two edge guys. I'm going to go ahead and take Josh Gustav and add him to my edge group with Guy Thomas. Steady, uh, steady and solid is, are the two words I would use to describe him. I guess kind of the same word, but that, that's kind of how I view him, a steady Eddie type edge guy. Well, and I think he – I was impressed in 2020 that he showed flashes in both pass rush and uh, – pass coverage so he can do a little bit of both things and, and he's pretty solid against the run too um i think he's a very solid player in there I'm, i feel pretty good 
with him and uh, Thomas and Grant with those three guys and any, any one of those three guys is not a drop off and can play at this level. And with that, I'm going to fill my other edge spot and take the other guy I think is, is the most intriguing guy in the group. And my first newcomer, I'm going to take chance Maine out of mighty uh, incarnate word. I just want to say incarnate word on this podcast. <laughs> twice. Chance Maine's got a chance to be the best interview on this whole team. I had a chance to chat with him for a while when he was actually driving out from, from his home to, cause this all came together really quickly for him uh, coming out to Boulder. Uh, so I, I hope that he does have a, a great season and is definitely a wild card on this team. He's got that experience now and he's come out with kind of i I've got nothing to lose that mentality. Right. And uh, he looks the part for sure. Well, and you know, when you, when you, a, a guy with nothing to lose and with everything to gain, you know, who has the right mentality, magical things can happen sometimes. So, you know, here's a guy who's getting his shot and he's not going to, I don't think he's going to waste it. I think he's going to work hard and, and uh, he showed some things. It was at a much lower level, but we'll see if that translates up to this level. I, I tell you right now, we don't, we don't have an obvious pass rush yet. And well, we haven't for a long time, but uh, uh, he and Guy Thomas from the outside are the most obvious guys to me for spring at any rate um, to provide that pass rush for us. I'm going to fill my other safety spot and I'm going to take a guy that I wouldn't necessarily classify as a true safety, but Tyron Taylor did play safety last year and they're just lacking bodies back there. And so... I'm going to, I'm going to be pretty young back there, but there's no way around it. You already got Isaiah Lewis early in the draft. So Trevor right. Woods and Tyron Taylor are, are going to be on the back end for me. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I think that that safety position may be one of those spots where you need to use one of those four transfers and uh, we they have to, I think they, yeah, they we, do have Jeremy, Jeremy Mack transferring in right. and uh, Dylan Dix, uh, Dixon and guys coming uh, Xavier, in Xavier Smith looks good too, but I think you want to add one more body because that's the spot where guys do get banged up because they're having to play physical back there. Right. Right. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's see where I still need some guys. I am going to go ahead and take Austin Johnson on the offensive line. Because I think he's a guy that if he ever puts it together, could be very significant up there. Well, big salsa, big salsa is uh, sorry, not that not necessarily put it together, but just stay healthy. Yeah, and big salsa is is in my opinion unquestionably the best nickname on the team. So you added a little spice to your to your own line. And he's a guy that could play all three of those inside spots as well. Uh, you know, last summer I know that. Uh, uh, you know, in their self practices without pads, he and Carson Lee were taking most of the snaps at center. So he's a guy uh, that I think could step in and fill that spot if he stays healthy. I'm going to go on the offensive line as well and take Jake Wiley, who much maligned last season and for good reason. He 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 wasn't ready to be a starting left tackle oh. in the Pac-12, but they didn't have a choice. And right. but now he he's got a lot of experience and. Carl Durrell did talk about, hey, you know, I know everybody's down on this kid, but he's played a lot of football and he's still young and he's going to get better. I'm not down on the kid at all. And I, you know what, I, I blame the coaching that he's had, quite frankly. And I'll go all the way back five years and people fill in those blanks. But 
he hasn't been taught the game. And I watch him out there on the field. And he doesn't know what to do with his feet. And he doesn't know what to do with his hands. He doesn't even know what to do with his head and his back. And that's not his fault. But there's nothing there's when I watch him out there, he's certainly athletic enough. He's just not in the right spots and in the right positions. And he doesn't use his parts right. Um, as soon as somebody teaches him that he could really be a legitimate big time offensive tackle. So, uh, you know, one of the question marks for me about uh, Kyle Devan is, you know, he, his whole career as an inside guy. I hope he's got the ability to teach the offensive tackles or has somebody helping him on the staff to do that. Uh, because that's the, the technique is so different for offensive tackles than it is for the interior guys. But if somebody can teach Jake Wiley how to play this game, he could be pretty good at it. And just a side note, uh, props to William Vallejos, who got the offensive line coaching yes. gig at Central Michigan. I know some folks were hoping to keep him around, but when you when you went outside to hire Devan, you kind of figured that Vallejos was going to take a, an offensive line coaching job somewhere else. Right. If somebody's going to offer you the actual coaching position, the position coach, you got to take that and move your career forward for sure. All right. So we're back to me. Uh, yes. Um, I'm going to I'm going to close out my defensive line. And here again, I'm between two guys. And do I want an inside guy or more of an outside guy? And I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to go with Tyus Martin. OK, because I think he's he's a big kid who can move well and he can actually he, he could he could really tie up guards and centers on the inside of the defensive line. Uh, you know, my other guy I was looking at was Ryan Williams, who's got an entirely different frame, an entirely different game. And and I, I, I feel I would feel good about either one of those guys. But I am looking forward to seeing what those two young men do in spring this year. I get a chance to talk with pretty much all these guys when they're recruits and some of them you get to know better than others. Some of them, it's pretty much just a standard interview. Goodbye. That's it. Tyus Martin had a really uh, intrusive back surgery, uh, his senior high school. And I talked to him probably a dozen times that year. And, and sometimes, you know, it was about how are you doing? You know, this stuff right. is more important about football because you see videos of him on social media. He's having to learn how to walk again. Right. The fact that he even got on the field to play some snaps last year was a minor miracle. And so th that tells me that with a full off season being healthy, that uh, he's got a really bright future at CU. Yeah. I mean, I don't, people don't understand how serious that surgery was. I mean, he, you know, <clears throat> I would not life threatening, but like you said, he had to learn to walk again and rehab all the way from the start. And he missed a whole year of lifting or what have you. And so I think with being healthy and getting a full year under Kyle or uh, Shannon Turley going to make a huge difference. And he could be a guy that really just blows up on the defensive line this year because he's got the ability. I think a lot of teams backed off of him because they didn't know if he was ever going to play again. Yeah, he was committed to Virginia Tech, and uh, yeah. there were definitely a lot of Power Five schools that were all over him, and then just stopped communicating with him. So uh, it was great to see him out there a little bit last year. And you know what? I, I hope that puts a chip on his shoulder, because a guy like that with a chip on his shoulder could be something to behold. I haven't picked any corners yet. You've got your two. I guess I can wait on that. I'm yeah, take a corner here. I, there's a couple guys that probably deserve to get drafted a little higher than they will, but I can wait on that. I'm going to take another offensive lineman 
I'm going to take Carson Lee, somebody that can play center. Yeah. Big body in there. And, uh, hopefully he's, uh, able to play for the buffs this year. It sounds promising in that, in that regard, but, uh, he's got to work through some of that stuff. So now I've got four offensive linemen on board here. And, and yeah. Carson, I think he's a, it's kind of a prototype center. I think he's better at center, um, necessarily than guard, but, uh, uh, he's a guy who could snap and step at the same time, which may sound goofy when I say that, but I've coached a lot of guys who cannot do it. They snap first and then they step, you know, it's kind of like that old thing, rub your head and pat your belly or whatever. It, it, they're, yeah. they're too, they're too you're, you're snapping backwards and you're stepping forwards and bringing that other hand. And, and some guy just can't, it just makes their brain go crazy and they can't quite do it. Uh, so I think Carson Lee's got a bright future. Um, he's got to work out this off the field stuff and we'll see what happens, but I, I, he's practicing this spring and we'll see what he brings to the table. Um, and before we run out of offensive linemen, I'm, I better get another one. Uh, and I, I think, I think I had, I can't remember who I had at Roddick and Phillip and uh, Johnson. Yep. You got two more spots to fill there. Yeah. So I need a tackle and a guard. I think I'll take the big man. I think I'll take uh is tank coming off the board. What take? I'm taking the tank. Big <laughs> hand. I need another tackle. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make make of him. I don't either. I really don't either. But I needed a tackle, and I, I, you know what? Let's see what happens when we fill his body in a little bit. He's just so tall and skinny right now. I don't think he knows how to use his body. Well, you got your your first off the bus guy right there. Him and right. Terrence Terrence Lang, I think, are the first two guys off the bus yeah. for your squad. And then yeah. Brady Russell, third. I went with that hair coming off the bus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even to, even Tyus Martin, Janaz Dorian, you got some big dudes on your team. I'll give you that. Yeah, we, Ch- we chance well, chance Maine. Goodness gracious. Right. I'm old school, man. I like I like the big boys. <laughs> right. Back to me. Okay, so I've I don't need to take a tight end. I don't need to take a corner at this point. Who do we got at the inside linebacker? Gosh, this is tough. I'm going to wait there too. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to just fill out my offensive line while we're here. And this is a guy that I really like coming out of high school. And then they come in and they redshirt and you just kind of forget about them and forget about how excited you were when they signed. Right. But Edgar Amaya Damn. is going to be my last offensive lineman. Yeah, he's, I was going to be, he was going to be my next one because I'm really excited about him as an interior player. And I think he's the kind of guy that Kyle Devan can really get him going. He's, he's a huge, huge kid and just moves really well. And, and, you know, when he, his film from high school, he was just physical and a mauler. So I'm pretty excited about it. So that means that I'm going to put Tommy Brown at tackle. I've I've finished out my offensive alignment. So I'm going to go Carson Lee at center. I'm going to go Noah Fenske at left guard. I'm going to go Edgar Amaya at right guard. Jake Wiley at left tackle and Tommy Brown at right tackle. That's going to be my lineup. I like that. Yeah, I I don't mind that lineup at all. It gives those guys some good coach and you could have a pretty good squad there. All right. right, Back to you. Yeah. uh, Let's see what we're looking at here. Who we got left. Um, I am going to take, I'm going to take Pittman as my second safety. Close. Okay. 
he played some corner last year at the end of the year, but I don't think that much of a choice. I think he's got to play in safety now, given yeah, the depth there. Man. Certainly got the body for it. Now, now we're kind of getting down into the guys with a lot more question marks. We both have a receiver spot open, so I better take a receiver at this point. I'm going to go with Ty Robinson, who okay. played some as a true freshman, scored a touchdown against Oregon. So I think with R.J. Sneed, Montana Lamonius, Craig, and Ty Robinson, I've got some some playmakers in that group. Yeah, you got some height. You got you can throw the ball up. Have guys go up and get it. Let's see. We're almost there. Let's see. Let me go ahead, and I guess I'll take uh, Jackson Anderson as my last offensive lineman. Okay. And yeah, and another guy similar to Amaya that I, I know we were both high on. They didn't sign many offensive linemen in that class. Just two prep guys, if memory serves. But we we liked them both. And I and I really like Jackson Anderson's film and what you know. What stands out to me um, about him is that he literally is from the middle of nowhere, Texas. Uh, kind of, it's it's so far out there that I don't think I don't think he got seen by a lot of places. And um, he he's in one of those places, kind of like the tight end in this year's class, Zach Courtney, in the middle of nowhere that people may not get out and see him. But I think uh, Jackson Anderson is a guy. Uh, who's really got some potential. He's got size and, and athleticism, and I don't know if he'll break out and be part of the mix this year, but I think before said and done, he'll be a couple of years starter for us and be pretty good. So I'm going to guess you're going to go Frank Phillip, left tackle, tank, right tackle, Austin Johnson, center, Casey Roddick, right guard, and then Jackson Anderson, left guard. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah that's what I would do for sure. Okay. All right, so at this point, okay, what do we have? Inside linebacker, I got to go back to that. I didn't really want to, but I have to because you still need an inside backer too. Oh, gosh, there's two guys here splitting hairs. I'm going to go with a newcomer here. I'm going to take Isaac Hurtado coming in from the JUCO ranks as a mid-year transfer. Funny story is – well, this isn't a funny story. It's a bummer for him. He was – had some offers as a running back and then committed to army and was set to go there as, as a running back, but his vision couldn't pass the military test there, uh, which it's, it's a tough test to pass. I had a relative that wanted to be in the air force and he didn't pass that either. Um, had to go to the Juco level played as an edge guy there and had a nice season at the Juco ranks. They're going to have him as an inside backer at CU um, but when CU reached out to offer him, it took them a while to get in touch with him because he was working the morning shift at Target uh, until they could get him on the phone. So hardworking kid. I like yeah. that. And great, great personality. He's not going to spend a whole lot of time on social media, but uh, I think people out in Boulder are going to get enjoy getting a chance to get to know him a little bit. Yeah, I didn't realize the Army had such exacting standards for sight. You know, I was in the Marine Corps and they didn't care whether you could see. And then I was in the Navy and they don't care if you could swim. So. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I like Hurtado's film a lot. Um, from what I see, I think he's more. I think he's more athletic than Quinn Perry. And if he could pick up the defense quickly enough, he could be a guy that could play a lot. So um, I, I I like what I see from him. Have we? Um, 
Is Marvin Ham still on the board? He is. That's the other guy I was thinking about yeah. there. Yeah. Because he's he's another one I'm was thinking about as like one of the breakout guys. And uh I guess I will go ahead and take him and fill out my line, inside linebackers. Another guy we were really excited about coming out of high school. He was committed to Boston College, flipped late. And I think he's a good example. We we just kind of lose patience with guys sometimes, right? Right. It, with him, he had to fill out his frame. He's done that. And then he had to take his lumps a little bit. He's done that as well. I do think he has shown enough flashes to think that he can be a contributor going forward. Yeah, I think he'll be a, a factor this spring at that inside position because like you said, like we both said, um, there's there's question marks all through everybody in that group, that room. So we'll really have to see if he's going to be one of those ones that steps forward and does something at that position. We're down to our last three picks, it looks like. You've got your whole defense filled out. I need – actually, no, you've got three picks left. I've got four. Uh, at this point, it doesn't really matter because we're kind of going off the opposite of what the other person has filled out. Let me take a corner here. My first corner, I'm going to take Kalen Moore, who got a little overshadowed last year because Nico Reed was so dynamic late in the season and Tyron Taylor got a little bit more playing time. But Kalen Moore got some playing time as a true freshman as well. And I think he's going to be either a starter at cornerback or provide some quality depth there. And that, you know, he's he's not one of those young guys that really kind of stepped up and showed us some things last year. And I think I think more than any other position on the field, sometimes maybe cornerback uh, is I'm trying to figure out how to want to say this, but where an underrated guy can come in and be an immediate player. Cornerback seems to be one of those places where it happens more often than a lot of other positions. And I think. uh Probably a lot of high schools don't throw the ball that well, so maybe they aren't that well scouted, maybe. Um, I don't know, I, but but it seems like under-the-radar guys really can come up and be good players at cornerback position pretty early. Definitely at CU. It's like all the guys that are from CU that are playing in the NFL corner right now were guys that were three-star prospects coming in. Yeah. Isaiah Oliver, Cheeto Bay Awuzie, Akella Witherspoon. I mean, those guys were – we were excited about them coming to see you, but they weren't national recruits, right. any of those guys. Right. So you, you, that that's one of those positions where I never really put too much stock in who's right or what, because they just come out of nowhere. So, all right. Uh, I guess I need to fill out. I guess I'll go ahead and, and take Jalen Jackson as my last receiver. Okay. And he's a guy that shows flashes every now and then has had his injury problems as well. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to go beyond just showing flashes, but he, he does seem to make a couple big catches a year and, and helps is a guy that can at least help you move the chains. And with this team, maybe he's one of their best special teams guys for sure. And yeah. also one of the better, better leaders on this football team. For sure. And I think that's going to be a big factor uh, with all the player turnover is, is what kind of leadership they get to, to pull this team together and help them move forward. I'm going to fill up my defensive line with Ryan Williams, who came in last summer and looked really good. His first summer with the buffs didn't really translate that into much playing time last year. But when you look at spots where guys need to step up, depth at defensive line and defensive line is one of those spots. And 
uh, it would be really nice for the Buffs if Ryan Williams can be the guy uh, they expect him to be. Yeah, if he can put on 20 pounds, 10, 20 pounds this year under Turley and then come back, you know, in a four-man front, he could play uh, really all four spots. In, in a three-man front, he could play either the tackles. He could be an edge player with a hand on the ground. So he brings a lot of versatility to the defensive line. He's got some athleticism and length, and I think he allows you to do a lot of things. The combination of him and Tyus Martin kind of fills the two primary kind of roles you have on the defensive line, one each. And I guess uh, you, need a, you need a, a quarterback and a running back. Yeah, I will go ahead and take Jaylee Stacks for my running back because if we're gonna if we're gonna go big, we're gonna go big. I'm gonna line wow, up, okay. Gonna line them up with no splits, and we're just gonna run the ball. Give give the big VW the bolt the, the rock. And uh, I have always been impressed with Stacks how he plays the game and how he runs and how he blocks. And I would like to see him get the ball more because I think he's a real uh, potential weapon if you use him right. And I'd I'd love to see him swung out, you know, do, swing him out and get him the ball in full stride and let some cornerback try to cut, try to take him down because that would be fun for me to see. I love it. And every time Jaylee Stacks comes on the field, I take my binoculars out and focus in on him. Yeah, <laughs> and th- that's always usually pretty enjoyable. But this does make me feel pretty bad for Deion Smith that he's going to go undrafted here. Well, we're only taking two running backs. So, you know, I I liked a lot of what Dion showed us last year. And I think he brings a real uh, different aspect and gives us some some flexibility. Um, So they're they're really actually, if you look at it, they're all three very different running backs. They're all in three different molds. Um, So I'm kind of it should be fun this this spring to see what they do with those guys. And especially if if it is more run friendly offense, we may see two or three or even four guys get a lot of carries this fall. And now to close out the draft, we both got an interesting decision to make here. You took Brady Russell early in the draft. So I knew I was going to wait on this till the very end. Yeah. And I've got three freshmen to pick from here. Freshmen in terms of eligibility, all these guys have been in the program for a little while now. Uh, I think the guy out of this group, that stands out to me at this point is Caleb Fourier because in those open scrimmages we had last spring and during preseason camp, he flashed a little bit. We kept right. saying it's probably another year away. Well, we're another year away. And so I think expect right Fourier to have, have a role as the number two tight end this year. Yeah. I think that's a good, good choice. And you know, we're going to talk about a little bit about the position battles and I think that'll be one of them, but Fourier, Olson Smith, um, maybe even Passarella, who knows, but we'll see what, uh, what, who, who, who develops. And I think those guys have to be looking at next year when Brady Russell's gone. And, and, you know, if this is truly a tight end friendly offense, at least two of those guys are going to have to step up for the year after that. So it, it's a nice group, I think in the pipeline. And then we'll see what Zach Courtney adds to it next fall, next summer. So you've got an interesting pick here, William, you can go Drew Carter who came in and, Took a few snaps last year. We didn't see a whole lot of him. And then Maddox Cop, who transferred in from Houston, elite 11 finalist coming out of high school, redshirted at Houston before transferring to CU. I guess you could take Oki Salovey as well, but you, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the, he's got to be pretty, pretty raw as a passer at this point. It's probably going to well, end up on defense at some point. But then I, back in my day, there were for two straight summers, I was on a crew cutting grass with Oakland and Sal. 
So, you know, uh, maybe I should take the kid whose pops I know, you know, (laughs) and, and and I like what, I like Oki's game. I think he's going to wind up at safety, but, uh, I'm glad that we brought him on board. His his dad was just one of the most wonderful people I ever, ever known, but, uh, I'm going to take cop because he seems to be like the prototype stand back there and throw the ball downfield kind of a guy. And I'm still old school, I guess. And, I, you know, grew up with the, the Elways and the, and the and the guys like that, and I think he's probably got the best arm out of the group. Like I said, you know, if if if, if Shrout was available, he'd been my first pick. I like that you stuck to a theme all the way through the end because Maddox Cop looks the part. What is he? Six five two fifteen. So right. you've got you got Maddox Cop, you got Jaylee Stacks coming off off this bus, Daniel Arias, Brady Russell with that hair. Casey Roddick, Tank. Yeah, we, may not be Lang, any, we may not Jenna be any Jordan. boy, but we're going to look good. I mean, I'm going to be intimidated by this team just based yeah. on what, what they're going to look like. We're, we're going to walk out for the coin toss without our pads on. <laughs> well, just a quick recap now that we've drafted our teams. Okay, my team at quarterback, Brennan Lewis, running back, Alex Fontenot. My receivers are RJ Sneed transferring in from Baylor. Montana Lamonius Craig and Ty Robinson. My tight end is Caleb Fourier. My offensive line is left tackle Jake Wiley, left guard Noah Fenske, center Carson Lee, right guard Edgar Amaya, right tackle Tommy Brown. My defensive line is Jalen Sami, Naeem Rodman, Ryan Williams. My two edge guys are Guy Thomas and Joshka Gustav. My inside linebackers are Quinn Perry and Isaac Hurtado. Actually, I didn't take uh, another cornerback. I guess I still have one more pick here, don't I? I'm going to go uh, – let me fill up this gap. It's going to be Kalen Moore, and then I'm going to take Jalen Stryker with my last pick. All right. And then my safeties are Trevor Woods and Tyron Taylor. And then William, your squad, the all-bust team right here, is quarterback Maddox Cop, running back slash fullback, bruising back Jaylee Stacks. Your receivers are Chase Penry, Daniel Arias, Jalen Jackson. Your tight end is Brady Russell. Your O-line looks like from left to right. Frank Phillip, Jackson Anderson, Austin Johnson, Casey Roddick, and the tank, Jared Lichtenhan. Your defensive line is Terrence Lang, Janaz Jordan, and Tyus Martin. You've got Devin Grant and Chance Main on the edge. At inside linebacker, you've got Robert Barnes and Marvin Ham. At cornerback, you got, in my opinion, the top two guys in Nico Reed and Nigel Bethel Jr. And then at safety, you've got Isaiah Lewis and Torn Pittman. William, I definitely give you give you the edge in the secondary for sure. Yeah. I think my skill positions probably have the edge. Yeah, I think, think? you got a pretty good offensive line group. Um I, I, you know, what I kind of hope people take from this is that there's more players on this team than you think there are, frankly. You know, when I was kind of going through all the names, I was like, you know, there, there's some guys to be excited about and we'll see how they turn out. But this is not a roster that's devoid of talent. And and hopefully people pick up on that through this exercise, if nothing else, if, if not, obviously, for the entertainment value of how entertaining we are. <laughs> 
Well, you're still concerned about depth in some spots, but sure. you, you, you are splitting hairs with a lot of these position groups. And that kind of transitions us to our next topic in terms of what are the top position battles on the team this spring? I don't think you talk about quarterback because until JT Shroud's participating in team reps, that's really more of a, a right. summer conversation. Well, right. And, and I would say the same with running back because Ramon Jefferson is my starting guy if I was writing it down right now. So you really can't have the competition of running back and quarterback until those two guys are ready. Offensive center has to be number one in terms of wide open competitions, right? Well, I, I wouldn't narrow it down that much. I would say center guard and I would say offensive line. Those last two spots are anybody's guess, anybody's guess. And like I said, you know, if he decides that his best five includes Jake Wiley, then I think you start Jake, you know, then you got Jake Wiley maybe at one of the tackles. And, and so then n- needless to say, probably that center spot is one of the most important on the entire team in terms of finding somebody to play that because it's such a key to the whole offense, frankly. First guy that touches the ball every single play. Um, so, yeah, I think at those two spots on the offensive line are the most obvious to me. And then I guess I was thinking wide receiver and edge would be two of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think receiver, you've got a lot of guys after R.J. Sneed that are going right. to be battling for – and I, maybe even Chase Penry is probably – you could pencil him in a slot receiver as right. well. But, yeah, the, the, how that rotation is going to going to pan out between some of those older guys, you know, an Arias and a Jalen Jackson and – we didn't have him in our draft, but Maurice Bell was a guy we were excited about earlier in his career is coming back from an Achilles. You can't forget about him. He's going right. to be back this summer. Uh, what about spot. inside? What about inside linebacker? I think you probably yeah. say today, Quinn Perry and Robert Barnes are your top two guys, but they need to hit the portal there as well. Right. They need to bring a guy in there. You know, we'll see what Ham and Hurtado can do. But yeah, I'm not satisfied with what we have there at this point. Um, you know, unless unless in spring somebody really steps up and shows something that we haven't seen before, which is always a possibility and a reality in spring that some guys do. And then, you know, the 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 tight end spot is pretty wide open behind Brady Russell would be another one. That, that and then you talk about, yeah, I mean, the guys that are hurt right now, Shroud obviously is on that list. I mentioned Maurice Bell. We'll see if Jeremiah Doss is part of the mix. The players that are not on campus right now, but I think are going to have the biggest impact in 2022. I, I had really six names here. It's you got to start with Ramon Jefferson, who you mentioned, but they also need Jeremy Mack. They need Jeremy Mack transferring in as a safe to be, to be ready to go. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that for sure. And I'm looking at like the list of, of signees now. And I would say along with him, um, uh, uh, I don't know why I'm, Blanking on the name, but the, the the our top recruit last year, uh, Dylan Dixon, is another guy to look at at that safety spot for sure. Uh, and those two guys, we need to shore up that safety spot just like we need to shore up that inside linebacker spot. And Victor Venn, I think, needs to be ready to go coming in as a running back as well, and and as a returner, and and, and you know. A guy with that kind of speed, you got to find ways to put the ball in his hands, and and you just can't teach that. And you got to get a guy like that on the field. We don't have that, uh, yeah. you know. Regardless of what some posters have said about whether it's average speed or not, it, it's blatant. I, th- I think it, I think I don't think it's controversial to say ten six four is pretty pretty darn fast. Right. The fact that he's on part of the uh, 
four by one relay team that posted the fastest time in, in Georgia track history. Right. Yeah. So that's a guy that I think you got to get on the speed on the field for sure, just because of his speed. Um, I, I would say, you know, quite frankly, the, you know, the question is which players not on campus have the biggest impact. You know, we got four transfer spots. So I would say hopefully somebody out of that group before certainly would be, we don't know who they'll be and we don't know what kind of uh, level of talent will be available after spring ball. Um, but hopefully that we're taking four guys out of that group. I wouldn't mind seeing an offensive lineman, a safety, an inside linebacker, and then I don't know, maybe a defensive lineman, depending on what about available. what about Alex Harkey from the JUCO ranks transferring yeah. in? Do you think he'll have a chance to be part of the mix? Yeah, he was a guy I had on my list too, just because I think we're unsettled at the tackle spots a little bit and, and looking for some depth, and he may be a guy who could help inside as well a little bit. So, uh, you know. Um, never hurts to have another offensive tackle in the mix. And he's certainly got the size and he moves pretty well. And we'll see if he's ready to step it up to this level of play. So he was another, he was certainly one I had on my list. The other two I had down as more court, sort of black horse guys were on the edge were Aubrey Smith and Caden Ludwig. And I just really like Caden Ludwig's game and size to come in and maybe do something on the edge. As I've mentioned a couple of times in this podcast, we don't have that pass rusher yet that edge pass rusher to put pressure on, on, a, on an offense. And we need to find that guy. We need to find that guy. And those are two guys that, that I thought very high love, highly of in this class that maybe could do that. You mentioned Dylan Dixon at safety. My most underrated pick for this class was another safety, Xavier Smith, somebody that transitioned from playing quarterback to being a safety. And he was putting together a really nice senior season until he broke his leg didn't need surgery to repair that leg, but instead of being an early enrollee, he's going to just be a, a regular summer addition. But he's a guy that I think people might sleep on a little bit because he wasn't that highly rated. But I think he's got a chance possibly to come yeah. in and have an impact as well, as long as he can be be healthy. Yeah, and then you know I was looking back, and there, there, there's so we have we have so many cornerbacks, um, and and given what we were saying about how guys can come out of nowhere as a cornerback, I would expect at least one of those guys to show up and be a guy that gets into the mix and get some playing time as well. Do you think we're going to be able to tell much about these new assistant coaches this spring? I, I you know, I was thinking about that question and I think probably not. Um, again, it's hard to tell anything about a team when they're playing against themselves, I don't think we're going to know for sure until we see against other teams, because one of the things you, you want to find out about, first of all, with an assistant coach, you need to find out how he does sort of in a longer term. Can he keep guys motivated in the off season? Can he keep guys involved who are not necessarily, you know, the starter? Uh, can he develop guys? Um, can he make adjustments during the season? So I, I think, I, I don't, I don't know that we can going to be able to tell until we get some games under our belt. Um, I think we'll be able to see if our offense functions with some level of competency. Competency would be nice. <laughs> it's not exciting, but it's a step above what we had last year. So I think from that perspective, I think the one offensive line, or I think the one coach uh, who, who might show us something pretty quick is the van on the offensive line, just because we were so lacking at that spot. Uh, <clears throat> but again, you just got to wait and see until we play other teams. I, I just don't think we can 
say what we've got with these guys, although I think they're a significant upgrade over what we went into the season with last year. Yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be hard, and you're not going to have players talking negatively about new coaches. Right. Even Mitch Rodrigue, it took more than a year until we realized how big of a disaster that was turning out to be. Right. Right. And, you know, in, in his, you know, his first season, everything looked fine. That offensive line was pretty darn good in 2020. So, you know, it was, it was legitimate to say, Hey, he's doing a good job. Right. So I don't think you can tell about assistant coaches for a year or two, um, unless they really start lighting it up on the recruiting. Cause that, that's obviously part of their deal too. You know, if one of these guys starts reeling in four-star guys, well, that's going to say something for sure. Yeah. You know, um, not that he's that, he's landed a not that he's landed a lot of blue chip guys already, but just the buzz around Phil McGagan is pretty intriguing. Yeah, you know, and in your article that went up today, I think one of those kids is a four star. Those two teammates from Texas, yeah. uh, I think you know they came because of him and his background and and what he can do. So, uh, I, receiver, quite frankly, could be a position that we could tell something about because I don't think the receivers performed all that well last year and if they're doing better this year we'll we'll probably see that that's one position where you can really see it with your own eyes sometimes so you know maybe maybe not running into each other 10 yards downfield would be positive you've got mail we're trending towards a two-hour podcast uh <laughs> let's try to go quick with these fan questions we got but i do want to touch on these yep. we got a handful of them fenty two asked any more expected transfers either in or out of the program yeah, so I've already reported on this a few times. They're, they've got space for four more transfers, and I would expect those spots to be filled up by transfers unless there's an injury at running back this spring and you need to bring in Anthony Hankerson in the summer instead of gray-shirting him. Then right. at that point, I think you'd probably have three transfers and then Hankerson. But right now, it looks like they're going to bring in four. And then out of the program, so right now, see who's at that, that 85 number. And so they're just going to naturally have four pieces of attrition between now and the start of camp. So that, that'll work itself out. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, all these players, have, a lot of these players have new position coaches. And when those position coaches are done with spring, they're going to tell them, you know, where you stand in this, in this program. Right. And if you're, you're not going to play here. And I think that's not running the guy off. That's just being honest and saying, look, I don't think you have a future at this level. Uh, help you find another place or whatever. But I think that'll naturally take care of itself um, yeah. after these coaches get to practice with these guys on the field. Along those same lines, Buff2JD asked, all of Vince Lombardi, what the hell is going on out here? <laughs> What's the buzz about additional attrition? It's been said that they plan to add four more players via the transfer portal. Where are those slots coming from? We just touched on it, William. It's just you're going to have attrition between spring ball and camp. In the history of CU football, I don't have this in front of me to use as a resource, but I can pretty much guarantee you there's been there's been attrition every single year between spring ball and camp. Yeah, there's never been a problem with the numbers. Well, I'll take that back. The problem we've always had with the numbers is we don't have enough. You know, we've never come down to where we got too many guys. Yeah, so the, you're, you're saying like the problem has been that, okay, we have these open scholarships at the end right. of the day, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I don't think that's going to be a problem, you know, like we just talked about that, you know, we may have, we, uh, who knows, we'll see what happens with, as far as guys that leave, but, you know, it, it, we could, we could take Hankerson and four transfers if that comes down to it, I suppose. 
there's a couple guys we didn't draft in the spring draft and I'm not going to point them out, but there's a, there's right. a couple pieces of attrition that could happen here and it's, it's not, you're not going to be too concerned about it. Right. But you don't want, you don't want, what you don't want to happen is guys that we drafted early in the spring draft right. by hitting the portal. Right. And I don't think that will necessarily happen because if those guys were going to do that, they probably would have done it after last season. At least you'd hope. Right. And you, and you think, you know, really the guys that are going to leave post spring are going to tend to be the ones who see the handwriting on the wall as far as where they stand in the competition. Shine DeBuff asked a question you recently answered in, in an ideal world, where would you use the four remaining scholarships? Where do you think the staff will use them? Got to use one on an inside linebacker. Got to use one on a safety. And then I think you said one O lineman, one D lineman. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of what I'm thinking. Or we, you said inside linebacker and safety, right? Correct. Yeah, because I think those two are no-brainers. If you can find a guy at each one of those spots, you take them. And I, it'd be nice to it'd be nice to take a starter from some other P5 team on the offensive line who could fill one of those spots and give some of those young guys a little more time. Um, and in, actually, I would say not necessarily a position, but an attribute. Man, if you could find a pass rusher, you take them because we need we need a gifted pass rusher. Those guys are not easy to find and not always transferring, but uh, that that would be the number one need on the team for me is a 10-sack guy. Look what Jimmy Gilbert made a different – how much of a difference he made to that defense in 2016, you know. So if you could find a 10-sack guy out there, uh, you know, fill up your McDonald's bag and get it done. <laughs> Well, you can't bring in a transfer quarterback. They've already got enough scholarship guys there. Running back, you've already got Hankerson that's set to gray shirt. So if you needed to bring him in, you could. Receiver, right. I don't think you need to add anybody with Sneed coming in. Tight end, you're fine numbers-wise. Edge, I think you're okay. But like you said, if you if you have a next-level pass rusher, you got to go best available there. Um, but inside linebacker, you definitely got to take a body there. Cornerback, I think they're fine, but they need some help on the back end. All right, let's move along to the next question from Brett McHugh. He asked, who do you envision as a starting five on the offensive line and who will be the key backups? We kind of touched on this with our draft, but I'll let you lead off here, William. Well, it's a tough question. I think it's a tough question. I think you start with the obvious three. You've got uh, Tommy Brown, Frank Phillip, and Casey Roddick, barring injury, are absolutely going to be your three of your starting five. And uh, I think that if gun to my head, I'm picking Noah Fenske and, and uh, Carson Lee, but I think it's, it would be close with between Carson. And if uh, big salsa stays healthy, he might be that guy. Um, But that would be, if if you're absolutely maybe nail it down, but I think there's going to be a lot of moving and seeing who can play different positions on this team, on this line. And, uh, it would not shock me if Wiley was one of them. I don't think he can play guard, you know, and Brian and I sort of disagree a little bit about that. I just don't think he has the power through the hips to play that against those big 300 pounders, but I think he could still be a legitimate prospect to tackle. So, uh, and then he was asking about the key backups. So those names that I mentioned, I suppose would be the immediate key backups. Um, And I'm curious to see what Jackson and Amaya can do this spring and maybe they can play themselves up into the mix as well. Furhang asked an O-line question as well. He asked expectations and reality of the offensive line 
have been vast the past couple of years. Are the rising expectations for 2022 warranted? Is another major transfer being sought for the offensive line? The last part of that in terms of is a major transfer being sought, I think that's one of the positions that would be they'd be in the market for, but a lot of that will be based off a lot of the guys you just mentioned and how they perform this spring. And who's available and who's interested too. Um, yeah. You know, and what position they play. <clears throat> you know, if, if somehow you got a, a, a legitimate, decent starting center from a P5 team that want to come to see you, I, that that wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. Um, expectations and reality. Uh you know, we last, had last year, but not the not the previous two years. They were fine in in nineteen and twenty. Yeah, I was going to say it's like you know we, we I don't think we had a lot of expectations in twenty twenty, but they were pretty darn good. And probably the same for nineteen twenty nineteen. They weren't that. They were pretty decent too. Last year, I think based on the fact that we had a lot of guys coming back, um, and they'd done pretty good the year before, we expected things and it didn't happen. Our, I I don't know our. I guess I'm not sure I see that that people have rising expectations for the offensive line. I think people are pretty jaded about it right now. Um, I don't believe that most people on the board think that, that, that Jake Wiley can play. I think people are excited that Tommy Brown is here. And I think a lot of people still are, are feeling pretty conflicted about Frank Phillip too. So I'm not sure people have uh, rising expectations. And uh, at this point, I'm kind of, Charlie Brown trying to kick the football, right? And and mm-hmm. I, I think I finally learned my lesson because I don't have rising expectations. I'm in full Missouri wait and see mode or show me, show me uh, before I'm going to jump on board with this group. And that's probably going to have to take a couple of games. I think, I think there's talent to work with there. I really do. Uh, people can laugh at that if they want, but you had a guy coaching them last year who by all accounts was AWOL half the time, not there. Or any when he was there, wasn't doing anything. And more than any other position on the field, offensive line needs to be taught at this level. They they don't come in knowing how to play that game, play this game at this level. So is there reasons for optimism? Yes. Am I optimistic? I don't know yet. Fair enough. I think the to the original part of that question, expectations and reality, I think there's been two times in the last decade where that's really failed. And that was coming off 2016. Right. That line was pretty good. And they were returning those guys and guys we like Lenat. And I know he got hurt, but that turned four. We returned four starters and we returned a fifth guy who had been a starter and would could and was going to play that center spot and they stunk. Yeah. So 16 to 17 was a huge disappointment. And they they weren't very good in 18 either. It's almost like this old line seemed to perform well when people are down on them. They come right. out like in 2019 and are better than we thought come out in 2016 and are better than they thought. So that seems to set up pretty well for them this year. Cause I don't right. think people are going to expect them to be any good. Right. I don't think people see that. I, I don't, I haven't seen it on the board. I don't see that people think that our offensive line is going to be a strength or are particularly optimistic. Um, I think the talent is there with good coaching that we could have a pretty solid offensive line. And what I understand of this new offensive scheme, I think could help the offensive line quite a bit. So reasons for optimism. Yes. Am I optimistic? Don't know yet. Fair enough. Next question is also from Ferhang. He asked, 
which position groups do you see as the team's core strengths on either side of the ball? Good question. Well, that starting three on the defensive line is top half of the conference. As far as depth, I don't know. So I think that's a, that those three guys, and, and if you add to them um, uh, Guy Thomas, Devin Grant, I think our defensive line could be a team strength. Yeah, and then I think with Jefferson coming in running back with Fontenot and Deion Smith, that appears to be a strength. Brady Russell at tight end makes that unit a strength. You mentioned right. the defensive line. I think that's solid. Yeah, if Guy Thomas can stay healthy, I, I do like the edge players there with Devin Grant and Josh Gustav. Kicker should be solid with Cole Becker. Uh, beyond that, though, I think you're, you're talking about a lot of wait-and-see positions. I mean, I think I think corner could still be pretty good, which is kind of right. shocking to say given that you lost two all-conference-type guys. But um, I like some of the pieces of receivers, but that, that's right. one of those groups where – We've been pretty high on their depth at receiver for a while, and we've been kind of overhyping that unit for a little while. And they haven't quite lived up to our expectations for for a good portion of time now. And, and I wonder about that. Okay, and maybe I'm getting controversial here, but I wonder if that wasn't the coach too. And I wonder if if he wasn't putting more time into offensive coordinator than he was coaching the wide receivers because they just didn't seem to develop the way they had in the past. So. Uh, I think bringing McGann in maybe makes a big difference at receiver as well. Yeah. Like you said, uh, show me, right. you got a offensive line has to prove it. The good thing is it can't get any worse, right? <laughs> uh, don't say that. <laughs> We're CU fans, man. We know it can get worse. <laughs> Inside linebacker scares me. I'll be honest. Depth at safety scares me. Depth on the defensive line is unproven. Right. Quarterback. Back to, to Missouri State nickname. I mean, they've, they've got to show it. So, yeah, I think, you know, I think, you know, you've got one pretty solid backup on the defensive line in Janaz Jordan, and you need to develop some others. Another question from Ferhang. He asked, is it realistic to have hopes of more than four wins in 2022? It seems Carl Drell has done a nice job creating a narrative of building for the future future, thereby lowering expectations near term? I, You know, I answer that in two ways. Number one, I'd say it's March, man. Who gives a damn about reality? Realistic, realistic. As a fan right now, we should all be thinking 10 wins. You know, what the heck? Because, it, 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 you know, I'm, we're not going to get there. But, geez, if we can't at least dream about it, in, it uh, on March 22nd, I don't know what to tell you. Then I look at the actual schedule and there's no yeah. gimme wins. There are, there are, there are no gimme. There's no UNCs on there. There's no CSU on there. Every single one of those teams we play next fall, we'll have to earn it if we win it. So I look at that schedule. I'm like, mm, man, is there four wins? I don't know. Uh, but I have to give Carl Durrell credit for he has totally rebuilt his staff and they look a lot better to me. And like I said before, just simple competence on offense will make a huge difference. Uh, Cause we didn't have that last year, not even close. Uh, so just simple competence on offense will, will raise the, the, the level of play a, a little bit. Um, and I'm again, like I was saying about the offensive line, I don't know whether whether it's realistic to think more than four wins or not. I think we'll all probably get to that point by the end of the summer because that's 
we're, we're the idiots that come around every year and we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to be out of the prediction game. I don't know, William, right. can I, in right. my job with my gig, can I just say, I don't know sometimes is that allowed? Uh, I don't think so. Not from basing on the, on the board. It's like, (laughs) geez, Adam, you, not only are you supposed to predict how many wins there are, you're supposed to know, uh, every little insider thing, you know, right down to what color underwear people are wearing. You're not, or you're not reporting or doing your job. I don't know. So uh, I just get to be, uh, an idiot spouting off with my opinions here, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't know. So we'll move on. Tough schedule. It's a tough schedule. Yeah. It really is more more so than last year, I think, significantly. So we'll see. Sodak Buff asked, "Do you expect someone other than B. Lou to be named QB one coming out of spring ball?" No. Yeah, and I because I mean, Trout's not going to be participating. I don't even know if they're going to put on a depth chart. I don't think they did last spring, but right. Yeah, and you know, I mean. W- w- I can't see cop. Well, I guess everybody's going to be picking up the offense news. So nobody has a head start as far as that goes, but of the guys listed there at quarterback, I can't see any of them beating out Lewis. I think I, when I first read that question, I, I, I thought he meant, I think walking out for the first game, I put my money on shroud, but I don't see anybody beating out Lewis in spring. And if you're going to put Brennan Lewis below QB one on the depth chart, Given that Trout's not, he's going to transfer, right? Yeah, he's going to leave. So you got to be sure that he's not your guy in the future if you're going to do that. Right. Paddle Life 13 asked, you mentioned Jack Lamb contemplating retirement. Can you go into more detail? I don't have a lot of details other than the fact that he had off-season surgery, and it sounds like that's what he's going to do, but there hasn't been an official announcement from the school yet. So we're going to get a chance to talk to Carl Durrell quite a bit here during spring ball. So we'll get more clarification on that, but uh, I can tell you it's, it's not just a rumor This you know, I don't just put stuff out there speculation wise. Another question from Palak 13. He also asked brought up by John Clayton's passing. Who are your favorite sports reporters slash insiders? Who are yours, William? Well, I would say back in the day, um, you know, I had it right there in my brain and, and I lost it. Um, was a local reporter that went national and I can't remember now it'll come to me. I think, I think BG Brooks, when he was back with the camera was just truly excellent. Uh, always seemed to have the inside scoop and what have you. Uh, and so I always thought he was one of my favorites. Uh, I, I don't really have somebody on the national level, um, except some of them are kind of fun to watch and listen to. I kind of broke them down into different categories. Uh, he didn't really ask for a play-by-play guy, but I think if I'm going to break it down into categories, we moved as a family from Minneapolis to Phoenix when I was going into sixth grade back in, I think that was 1990. And the Diamondbacks hadn't started yet. And so they played the Dodger broadcast on the radio out in Phoenix. And listening to Vin Scully, I could care less about the Dodgers, but his play-by-play delivery, in my opinion, is the best ever. I really love listening to him. Yeah. Uh, Woody Page is the one I was thinking of. Who used Woody to be, Page. Yeah. What used to be with the Rocky Mountain News. And I really enjoyed him when he was local. Um, and you, you brought up in terms of color. So color. John Madden used to crack me up because yeah. he's just such a wild man in, in uh, Monday Night Football and such. I, I really always enjoyed him a lot. And then um, I guess I have to say uh, uh, 
Oh, for crying out loud. Outside, outside linebacker from the Orange Crust days in the Broncos, ESPN. Um, not 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 ringing your bells. Uh, was one was all pro off outside linebacker for the Broncos. You're not talking about Alfred Williams, are you? No, 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 no. Well, long before that, back in the Orange Crust days, was was but he was a sportscaster on ESPN for a long time. Um, I guess I'll have to come to me senior moment. Color commentary for me, I actually had a chance to, on a cruise, the only cruise I've taken in my life was a basketball cruise after I graduated high school. <laughs> and I got a chance to meet Bill Raftery, who does college basketball. And uh, just getting a chance to have dinner with him and being at the same table as him, uh, he had great stories. And I, I like his delivery. Um, from a writing standpoint, I'm a Celtics fan, so I've always enjoyed Bob Ryan's stuff. Uh, my favorite podcaster is Ryan Rossillo. The insider has got to be Adrian Wojnarowski if you like NBA stuff because he's on top of everything. And then uh, I don't watch ESPN outside of watching games a lot, but when I get a chance to catch a few minutes of Michael Wilbon and, and Tony Tony Kornheiser, they they have good chemistry, and I like yeah. those guys. I like that a lot too. Um, and in basketball, were you a were you a Dick Vitale fan? I like him in small doses. Yeah, same same he, with uh, Bill Walton. I, I enjoy yeah. them, but I I don't want to listen to like five yeah. games of theirs in a given week. Yeah, they're 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 kind of I think they're kind of those kind of people. They'd be able to love them or hate them. Um, Tom Jackson is who I was thinking of. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I and I used to play basketball with him at the uh, pickup basketball at um, the Washington Park Rec Center way back in the day, and I was always amazed that this all pro linebacker was so little. <laughs> he was a small guy. He was like, like, well, okay, he's not. He was like six two, two ten, which is big for an average guy, but was was small to me for an NFL linebacker. And I always enjoyed him as well as a sports. It's guy. crazy how every era has gotten bigger and faster. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I've talked to some real old time CU buffs over the years at, at open practices and guys that you know played back in the forties and fifties, and and they're tiny now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. Lineman, you know, uh, um, trying to think of like uh, Jerry Donardo was an all-American offensive lineman at Notre Dame, you know, and, and I, I think the biggest he ever got was like 240. And in fact, in fact, my first I think it was my first year at CU, our starting center. Um, uh, last name was Heron. I can't remember his first name, but he was 6'2", 215 starting center. And I mean, uh, that was like 80, 83, maybe. Um, and he was actually pretty effective. He was pretty darn good. But, you know, you'd never see a guy. You would never see that anymore, you know. Totally. So, yeah, it makes you think certain guys, especially a linebacker, like you said, during our draft, Quinn Perry is just in the wrong era. Seems so had some of those right. guys that have been really good linebackers, but it's like you're just it's not the game anymore. Right. Right. You know, and, and a guy like him would have just thrived back in the nineties and been a really great player. Uh, you know, and by the same token, some of those nineties guys, uh, um, who was our, uh, uh, Buckus award winner. that was a scout for the Broncos. Um, Russell, hello, duh, Matt Russell. I don't think Matt Russell's an all American at this, in this era because he can't run. I mean, you know, he could run certainly, but he was a, a standard tackle to tackle middle linebacker. Well, he wasn't a standard one; he was an elite one. But uh, 
I don't think he'd have a place in the, in the game. Would Remington fall into that as well? I think Barry Remington was a freak at his time. I think he could run, and he was also 6'4 and had a lot more length. And so I think he was more of a modern-type linebacker at that time um, <clears throat> than what we saw. Now, we were playing in a big eight, and nobody threw the ball, so he didn't really get tested too much. But Barry was uh, – he, he was all-state in basketball, I think, as a senior in high school. I mean, he was a tr- tremendous athlete. Uh, I, I am I'm, I, It breaks my heart that the young people never got to see Barry play because he, to me, was the prototype linebacker. Now – Part of that may be because I spent four years in high school of him beating me like a drum. <laughs> but Barry Remington was always one of my favorite players. And just watching him play linebacker at CU was uh, was a lot of fun. And he was super he, – he was just – I think he was ahead of his time. And But for that freak accident with his eye, would have been a 10, 12-year NFL player. Well, I think we're going to beat the two-hour mark. I could sit here and talk to you football all day. I'm excited yeah. that we're going to have some actual practices to talk about. But you do have a day job. I should probably let you go. But it was fun doing the draft. And, uh, yeah, let's let's connect throughout spring ball. Because, again, I know it's going to be what some fans are going to consider puff pieces. But it is what it is in the spring. That's, right. that's what our content's going to be. Right. I mean, you know, unless everybody looks horrible on, on both sides of the ball. I mean, you know, God forbid that doesn't happen. But – you, you're, you're always hoping for something positive and uh, you're not playing another team. So there's not a final score. So what are you going to do? You're going to focus on what you see. That's good. Spring is definitely the time for the true diehards. And it is awesome that they're going to open up some practices because yeah. that will allow us to uh, talk with more firsthand knowledge based instead of just hundred percent based on what the coaches are saying in interviews. Right. And we'll see, as always in spring, we'll have our uh, spring All-American who will disappear in the fall. <laughs> it's, a, it's a certainty. There's no question about that. So, uh, William, appreciate you for taking the time out. And uh, again, we'll be back. Spring ball is getting started. So uh, I'm excited to talk more CU football here in the coming months. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.